Leadership Next is powered by the folks at Deloitte, who, like me, are exploring the changing rules of business leadership and how CEOs are navigating this change. Welcome to Leadership Next, the podcast about the changing rules of business leadership. I'm Alan Murray, and I'm doing this episode alone. Mahal Levram couldn't be with me, but I'm in Abu Dhabi, where we've convened business leaders from 30 countries around the world for conversations on the top topics affecting business. It's the Fortune Global Forum. And one of the most interesting business leaders here is the woman I'm uh, speaking with today. It's Joey Watt. She is the CEO of Yum China. Joey, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us what Yum China is. It's, it's basically a Chinese company, but running a bunch of very American brands. <laughs> we are actually registered in the U.S. You are uh, registered. Yeah, and then we are listed in New York Stock Exchange and also listed in Hong Kong Exchange. And the spin-off happened during 2016. Uh, before that, it was part of Yum. And right. then it's been on the app happened, it became an independent company because Young China and Young, we are actually very different in terms of business model because uh, I think many people are familiar with Young, which is more a franchisee business, whereas Young China is 90% equity. We run our store ourselves. Yeah, so yeah. I want to talk about that, but before we do, I mean, the Young brands are well known to people. It's Pizza Hut, it's Taco Bell, KFC, KFC Kentucky yeah. Fried Chicken, we uh, love it. The thing I'd like to ask you first, though, we're living in a time where you read a lot in the press about tension between mm. the U.S. and China and decoupling of the economies. Your brands, very American brands, are doing gangbusters in China, right? Indeed, indeed. We actually have a record year in terms of sales, profit, and new store opening. Even with three quarter, we have made more money than, you know, last year, entire year, and, and, and any other previous year in the last 36 years in China. So, so there's no sign that Chinese consumers are turning away from those iconic American brands? Not as far as I know. I mean, not only in our industry, if you look at shoes industry, you know, computer electronic industry, and then apparel industry, uh, American brand and brands from other countries, as long as you are on top of your game, I think we're doing quite well. <laughs> yeah, so how yeah. do you explain that? Well, why we read so much about decoupling tensions between US and China and the technology industry in particular, you mm. see increasing division. Uh, what does it tell you that customers are still flocking to these iconic American I think brands? there are a few things here. One, I think there's some headline risk or bias uh, right now yeah. um, towards the country, the macro, et cetera, et cetera. Second is in terms of industry, if we look at China's GDP growth, you can argue whether it's 4% or 5% this year. In my industry, it's double digit. Actually, it's high double digit. Wow. So consumer industry are still doing incredibly well. And there are a few reasons here. One is at the end of the day, consumer industry, we are looking for customers. Yeah. You know. Just to give you a sense, KFC after and Pizza Hut after 36 years in China, we operate in 1,900 cities only. So there are still 1,100 cities in China has zero KFC. Uh, I, I, I can't believe you said 1,900 cities only. Only, <laughs> correct. <laughs> 1,100 cities, and and do you or, or do you want do you want them all? I mean, uh, at, at some point, and then. <laughs> 
KFC is in 1900 cities and Pizza only, we are only in 700 cities. So even between KFC and Pizza Hut, there's still 1200 cities have zero Pizza Hut and have KFC. So that gives you a sense, the size of market. And with our presence in China after 36 years, we only are serving one third of total Chinese population. Wow. Wow. And there's still two thirds of Chinese population. We either our prices are still too expensive or our stores just are not far away and, and close wow. enough to the customer. So that gives you a sense why consumer industry is still so excited about a market like this. And so how rapidly are you expanding? How fast are you opening new stores? Fast, fast. I mean, we have about uh, 14,000 stores in China and 90% are our own equity store. We have over 430,000 staff running these stores ourselves. Only 10% is franchisee, which is very, very different from the typical uh, restaurant business. And this year alone, we're going to open around, well, more than 1,300, maybe 1,400 stores. So we are really at the very fast pace of expansion. And actually- well, That's like three or four stores every day you're opening. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every few <laughs> hours a store that sort of just- the ribbon at everyone? Uh, no, I cannot, 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 yeah. So let's go back, uh, but go back for a minute to uh, 2016 when the spin mm. I mean, this, of course, what you're saying, the huge size of the Chinese mm. market is why American consumer companies wanted to be in China. And same as many companies from other countries. Yes, everyone yes. wants to be there because yeah. potentially it's such a huge market. But when the decision was made in 2016 to spin uh, Young China off mm. from the parent company, what was the main reason for that? Was it because the business model was different? Definitely, because it's a completely different way to run a business with mainly franchisee driven because you, when you have a business like that, you want to make sure your headquarters is, is very lean, have, have very little fixed costs, et cetera. Whereas Yum China, we have our own supply chain. We have in-house supply chain. We have hundreds, if not thousands of our own IT staff to work on the technology. We have a gigantic workforce. So it's a very different business model. And then, you know, to separate the two companies, it allow investors to match the business uh, model with their own investment thesis. And not get confused. Correct. And I think so far investors have done reasonably well. <laughs> and why does the franchise model not work in China? Why, why not do franchises? It's a really good question. Uh, right now, you see a lot of franchising model in China, but back to 30 some years ago, we, our company, my predecessors and uh, the founders of Yum China make the very conscious decision to invest in equity store for a lot of reasons. One reason is very profitable business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, when it's so profitable, the incentive to do the fran franchising is not that high. Now, even yeah. today, when we are opening you know, 13, 1400 store a year, our payback for KFC is still two years and payback for pizza is still three years. And that's really high payback. Yeah. And therefore the incentive to let go and to let the franchisee do it is, uh, is, is not that high. But there's one little problem with equity store is the speed of expansion is slower than franchisee store. However, in the last eight or nine years, we have built up our infrastructure in terms of IT, in terms of operation. So, we are at the point that we can open these stores at such high speed. Yeah, I was going to say, I think fourteen hundred a year sounds like a fairly, <laughs> uh, fairly high speed. Wow, it's it's really impressive. So take it down to the consumer level. If I walk into a KFC in Guangzhou, mm. 
How is it different than uh, KFC in Kentucky? It's rather different. First of all, for breakfast, we have very big breakfast business. 90% of the food there are from the oven, not from the fryer. For the normal meal, 60% are from the oven, not from the fryer. And this is rather unique because not, not all the QSR restaurant or even QSR or KFC outside China have oven in the kitchen. And we wow. can have such good so, so, mix of food because we have the yeah. cooking equipment. So outside of China, the sales are overwhelmingly fried foods. Probably, but, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. China has it. And then, and then the, the menu choice is much bigger in China uh, to give you a sense. Original recipe chicken, which is huge. It's only 6% of our sales. And we have very big beef burger business. We have very wow. big whole chicken business. We have wow. big, you know, rice business. And the menu is, is good food. It doesn't matter whether it's American food or Chinese food or Southeast Asia food. It doesn't matter. Completely different. How about pizza? Is it similar? It's is very it? different too. <laughs> pizza, uh, the biggest selling pizza in Pizza China is actually durian pizza. Durian. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. What's durian? Okay, there you go. <laughs> it's called king of the fruit. Huh. It's something that you whether you either love it or you hate it. Uh-huh. It has rather strong fragrance. You, you know it when you're eating it. Oh, uh, you if you hate it, you walk out of my restaurant. <laughs> but uh-huh. it's doing incredibly well, and then we are also one of the biggest stick house in China. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And and you're you also have some some native Chinese brands. In yes, your yeah, right? little sheep tra- and Huan Ji Huan, which is the hot pot, and then the other one is steam pot. Yeah, and yeah. are you trying to build more of those? Absolutely. So Absolutely. over time, Yum China is becoming more and more of a Chinese. Uh, well, we we are American company, but we operate in China. Yeah, and and the market is still so big. Um, to give you a sense. Um, the, the scale and then with the speed of expansion, it, it's hard not to focus on it. Around the world, KFC globally has 29,000 restaurants. Yeah. Around the world, 150 countries. In China, next month, December 15, we're going to celebrate 10,000 store, 10,000 KFC store alone in China, wow. more than one third. One third of the total. Total. Worldwide. Exactly. And then the other way to look at it is, um, KFC in India just celebrate 1,000 stores and KFC in Eastern and Central Europe just celebrate 1,000 KFC stores. And last month, we celebrate 1,000 stores in Zhejiang province alone. In one province one alone. One province alone. Wow. So that gives you a sense of scale and how much a customer in China yeah. love KFC brands. I'm here with Jason Gerzadis, the CEO of Deloitte US, the sponsor of this podcast. Thanks for sponsoring and thanks for joining me, Jason. It's a pleasure to be with you, Alan, and our privilege to sponsor this important podcast. Well, it's great to have you. This whole notion of generative AI has really exploded onto the scene and into our consciousness in the last year. It's the fastest introduction of a new technology in history. How do business leaders deal with that and how do they separate the hype from the opportunity? It's a great question, Alan. The hype is real, but we also think the opportunity is more uh, real and, in fact, an imperative for all businesses. 
The opportunity right now for businesses is around taking advantage of generative AI and other digital technologies for efficiency and productivity gains with the belief they will continue to evolve and mature such that there's other opportunities for value creation and net new disruptions and innovations that we haven't even seen the possibilities of. The challenge is to balance this opportunity. As a result, businesses have to diversify their approaches. It's a CEO level priority, an understanding of where and how these models are being put to use in your business operations, what are the controls put around data and data quality, as well as ensuring that the models are tested and actually validated like you would do any other customer facing or highly sensitive system in an enterprise environment. Jason, thanks for your perspective and thanks for sponsoring Leadership Next. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about you. There are not that many women. I mean, this is a large company. Are you the largest, by the way, the largest uh, restaurant business in China? One of the largest. One of yeah, the largest. probably the largest, but one of them. Yeah. You and if you're not the largest now, you're going to get there. I gather <laughs> at the rate you're going. How did this happen? There are very few women running large companies in China. Oh, it's there like, are lots. Well, it's single-digit percentage. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. How did you get? into this position. Tell us the Joey Watts story. <laughs> uh, I, I was born in China, but moved to Hong Kong when I was nine. Yeah. And I started to work, actually. Yeah. Uh, that was the, the characteristic of that time. And then I uh, grew up in Hong Kong, and I worked in consulting. And then I uh, got this opportunity to move to UK uh, back to 2004. And I spent 10 years there. And that's when I make the transition from consulting to running business, yeah. specifically turning around stores yeah. or retail business. So I turn not around- Not restaurants though. Not restaurants. I turn around two brands there. One is called Savers, the other one called Superdry. Superdry is the number two health and beauty retailer in the UK. Okay. And then uh, back to 2014, I got this opportunity to turn around KFC in China. KFC was in a little bit of uh, trouble, put yeah. it that way, in China at that time. And I took the opportunity because at that time, we already have 450,000 staff for a few thousand restaurants. And right now, we only have 430,000 staff for double the number wow. of the stores. How to get there, we, we can talk about it later. But for me, it, it worked because it's it's very exciting brand. And also my son at that time is at the age that I want him to learn Chinese. Yeah. So we moved back to China, back to 2014. And then I turned around KFC. And then later on, you know, when you're good at eating, you eat more, right? So later on, by and 20... Giving you more and more Yeah, by 2017, and, you know, I was given opportunity to turn around Pizza Hut as well. Yeah. And then by 2018, I got the opportunity to, to be the CEO. Was there a contest for CEO? The, the decision was made before the spinoff, I assume. Correct, correct. So they came to you and asked you to run the... To run the KFC. And then at that time, there's a CEO who ran the entire Young China. Yeah. Uh, but then later on, they decided to, to give me more to eat. <laughs> yeah, wow, fascinating. Well, you obviously have earned your position. Did you always want to be a CEO? Did you ever... I would not say I always want to be a CEO. I'm always open-minded about all the possibilities. That's why... I moved myself from Hong Kong to UK back to 2004, you know, didn't know what to expect. But I know I love retail. Yeah. It kind of suits my personality quite well because I'm very impatient. I like the details and I like to feel the customers. Yeah. Uh, it's something that as a retailer, it, we operate a lot on our instincts or on our 
understandings of the customers. How do you do that? How do you come to, with so many stores in so many places and different brands selling yeah. different things, how do you come to have that intuitive feel of your customer? What do you do? Do you visit stores? Do you work in stores? What's your method for staying in touch with the customer? Uh, stay in touch with customer or also stay in touch with the staff. Hmm. Both are incredibly important. If I have to choose, I would say stay in touch with the staff is even more important. Interesting. So I, I started to work when I was only nine in factories. And then later on, when I was 15, I started to work in restaurants in Hong Kong. And I suppose with all those years of working with the frontline staff, it always made me very comfortable to communicate with my frontline staff. And the empathy, I think, is the most important thing for any retailer around the world. You and know, that's an interesting, it's interesting you say mm -hmm. that because I hear people talk a lot these days about empathy, but I think 10 years ago, I never heard CEOs really? use the word empathy. You feel like that's been important to you for, from absolutely, day one. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Because honestly, for Young China, we serve only 2 billion customers a year. <laughs> only. In China. There's no way that I can interact directly with customer that often. Yeah. How do I get to know my customer is through my store managers. Yeah. And in our culture, we have something called RGM number one, restaurant general manager number one. They are the most important group of people who the headquarter people we serve. And then I also learn how to serve customers through my restaurant managers. Mm not directly from the customer, because it's really quite hard to aggregate. But my good store manager, they always have very good sense about what customer really so wants. So when you're hiring people, uh, you're hiring people for empathy. You want them to That's the number one. That's number, number one. one. Number one, because I recently we have our uh, store manager conference, huge, 12,000 people in Macau. and. I was very clear with our team that the moment we lost the empathy from the frontline staff, that would be the moment to mark the decline of Young China. Wow. For sure. I want to talk about technology. You, sure. you started uh, a, a few minutes ago to talk about how a much smaller number of people are running a, a larger number of yeah. stores. What are the main technological breakthroughs that you've had in recent years and where does it go from here? It's really good question. I'm really pleased that you you point out over the few years because it's not something not people can just like I decide to do it, it happened next year. It doesn't work that way. We've been working on it since 2014-15. And we finally get to the point that we say, okay, this phase of digitization sort of complete. And then we need to start the next milestone. The next milestone is AIGC. But for the entire journey, 2015 till 2022, almost. And uh, how did that happen? Well, talk about result, then we talk about how. The result is we can put a lot of repetitive administrative work or tasks in the store into something that can be done by the AI or automation. Can you give one example of that? One example, payment. Uh, over 90% of our payment right now is digital, and that's $8 billion. Wow, in, in savings, in, in, productivity uh, That's the $8 billion sales, sales. that is I done see. through digital payment. So in the past, each store, I might have three people, four people, five people taking money. Now I have one. Wow. Or less than one, to, yeah. to be specific, because people pay through digital. So that is sort of thing 
that we are talking about, but that's one example. And then we move back to the restaurant operation, how to plan the production, when to get the chicken ready, when to get ready to wait for the customer coming. All this planning is done by AI right now. And then to move my inventory around from the supplier to the logistics center to the store, it's all done by AI right now. And then go all the way back to the uh, to the integration with the supplier. So the automation, digitization, that process takes a very long time. When you visit stores other parts of the world, are you far? Are you way ahead of them on automation? Probably, but I might be wrong. I mean, there are many th cool things other people are doing, and what do I know? Do you do you share ideas with? Uh, Absolutely, we're very very open about it. I mean, even during the pandemic, when our staff came out with contactless delivery, the first thing we did was we share uh, with the rest of the world because it would be useful. Yeah. Um, so we are always very open-minded. Do, do you have people who run franchises in the United States, for instance, coming to China? To we we have doing? like people in the same industry or, or other industry who came to visit us and we are quite open-minded about it. Yeah. yeah. I know you've put sustainability uh, in a very important place in, yes, in your company. Can you explain why and also whether that's common in China? Uh, why? Because we are very proud that for 36 years, we are always part of the community. Uh, we are there to serve the community. So it's just part of the culture. And we focus on three areas, people, food, and environment, because sustainability is a very big topic. Yeah. People, why? Because if we cannot keep our business going, we are not going to be around to help the environment or yeah. anything, right? So number one, sustainability is our jobs, yeah. actually. And we, we take good care of our people. For example, in over uh, 100 cities in China right now, we have food banks. In over 40 cities in China right now, we have something called Angel Restaurant, which is about stores in which more than half of the employees have special needs. Really? Yes. Wow. It changed the dynamic. It's interesting. When a store only have small number of employees with special needs, they're the minority. Yeah. When there are more than half of the employees have special needs, they become the mainstream. Then we, like my store manager, other people have to learn the sign language and other things. And the store environment is very quiet, very nice. Um, and then they feel proud and then they support each other. And then when it comes to food, we have food bank and we have, you know, work on this um, campaign called One Yuan Donation. It's called One Yuan Renminbi Donation for yeah. 16 years now. And we, we raise the money from the customer. We only ask for one year, no more than that. Why? Because we want children to experience donation. One year yeah. does not hurt at all. So a lot of kids actually experience donation first time in KFC. And then we use the money to, at the beginning, um, have breakfast, mainly milk and egg for children in the remote area. And now government take good care of it. So we redirect the money to build modern and very highly efficient kitchens for the schools in remote area. Yeah. And then the environment, of course, we are committed to the 2050 carbon neutral target, uh, which is, you know, uh, on, on the way. And we just, just have the first logistics center run completely on renewable energy wow. in China. In China. Wow. In China. That's very yeah. impressive. So you do these things. You take care of, of employees with special needs. You devote a, one yuan to charity. Uh, you have a, a, an environmentally sound practices, clean energy. You do them because they're good for your business. They're good for business. It's just the right thing to do. And, and 
there's another reason you can call it selfish region or not to do it is I think the group of people who benefit most from all these initiatives, we have a lot more by the way, from these in initiatives actually is our own staff. Really? Of course. Because we pay our staff com with the competitive pay, but we won't make them rich overnight. However, we do believe that realization, the realization that giving is more breast than receiving is the biggest source of unlocking wealth and happiness in life. Wow. And unlocking wealth and happiness unlocks engaged customers, engaged employees, happy employees, and that helps your business. Absolutely. Yeah. Joey Watt, fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for being here at the Fortune Global Forum in Abu Dhabi, but thank you also for taking the time uh, to talk with me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Leadership Next is edited by Nicole Vergala. Our executive producer is Megan Arnold. Our theme is by Jason Snell. Leadership Next is a production of Fortune Media. Leadership Next episodes are produced by Fortune's editorial team. The views and opinions expressed by podcast speakers and guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Deloitte or its personnel, nor does Deloitte advocate or endorse any individuals or entities featured on the episodes.